Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of Slamfire Radio for April 28th, 2017. This will be the official Maple Seed edition. You've not heard about Maple Seed on any other show like you'll hear about it here tonight. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor the Boisterous for Latte. And I'm Adriel the Quiet Misho. And I'm Kelly, the classy one, because, yeah, I don't know what else I am. Because <laughs> that's, that's all I got. That's all I got. And and I'm Matthew, the last one. There, yeah, you are, aren't you? <laughs> I am tonight. He, he, all right. What? I love, last but not least, I don't know. Mm. Something. He who is last will be first. Sure. Something. But uh, I was last. The so. last laugh. Well, you're first mm. next week. See I am works? first. No. No, it's no. Not how, first. first. Oh, I don't not know rotation. You don't know don't how to rotate. Mm-hmm. I don't you're know dyslexic. how to rotate. You're the kind uh, of guy you. that when they say you should rotate your tires, and you're like, well, I do every time I drive. Yeah, man. <laughs> the wheels on the bus go round and round right over my back. <laughs> like on this week's uh, bonus episode. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you Jason. heard that. What did, yeah. we, what did we do? <laughs> oh, uh. you know. Well, uh, let's. Let, okay, there were two very special guests. One was yes. Jason Philp. The other one we cannot say. Right. If you're not a if you if, if you're not a Patreon, it's, it's well, a although really that would drive some people over to yeah. see to the Patreon. That's what it? I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. But you can't help yourself and interrupt. So no, 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 <laughs> no. Wait, wait. I think we it. should say his name to drive people over because people want. Right. Oh, you think so? He who yes. Should be well, named. Let's, let's he give them a hint. It, it it's rhymes. Owen. His Is hobby. that a good hint? <laughs> oh, I was going to say we did talk about Comfrey, but we were close. He took my Larper joke away. Oh, uh, did I? Uh, yeah, we, so we did actually. Li- yeah, so listeners, what? if if you're if you're missing your um, weekly comfrey talk or LARPing adventure story, you need to go become a Patreon and um, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Slamfire Radio and download our latest episode and get a little uh, bit of Owen back in your life and a whole lot of gibberish from Jason Philp, who talks <laughs> about shotguns. <laughs> It was stuff. no gibberish. And, and I get thrown under the bus in epic, epic ways. And that is why people need <laughs> to become need to Patreons. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. That's why you need to show up and come to the anyways. He was sick, Kelly. He had a cold. I don't I have your resolve, Kelly. <laughs> like It wasn't like when I was uh, had a cold a couple of weeks back where I was actually picking pallbearers, but it was pretty bad. You were picking <laughs> pallbearers? To carry my casket at my funeral? That's how oh, sick I Oh, okay. I, I how, get you. That's how sick my man-cold sickness was. Right. You you died. Was it fatal? Almost. No, it wasn't totally. It wasn't totally fatal. Well, that's good. <laughs> it was your only death, a little fatal. <laughs> yeah, your death was only slightly fatal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, let's jump into what we did in guns. And what we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Calgary Shooting Center is hosting a Dynamic Pistol 2 class on May 13th and 14th. 
If you missed Dynamic Pistol 1, there's another class coming on June 3rd and 4th. So uh, pistol classes. Not as dynamic as like a Ferlacci class. but No, not much be... comes close to that sort of dynamicism. Dyna- dyna- dynamics? Dynamics. Pretty sure it's dynamics. Not dynamics. No, that's, that's sure. completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, so don't be a communist. Go get some training at the Calgary yeah. Shooting Center. Do it. Yeah. So, Matthew. Yo. So, what have you been up to? Yeah. Look at the show notes. That's what I I've see been a comprehensive to. list. Okay. This so is this is very comprehensive. In fact, it is. It's all encompassing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I can count to all. You can. Get, uh, yeah. No, I didn't do anything. I, all right. Uh, yeah. No. It was. It was. Yeah. Nope. Maybe next week. We'll see. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in and talk a little bit about those awesome Nanook cases that I got. I uh, figured out what Nanook means. Well, I didn't figure it out. I read it off their website. I mean, go figure. A, uh, a case that's made in Canada is named Nanook, which is actually uh, Inuit for polar bear. Uh, is Inuit? I think it's Inuit. It's can, can, can you move your mic up just a little bit? You're just popping oh, a little bit whenever you say F's and P's and bear. Yeah, that's good. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Say, say polar bears. Polar bears. Perfect. Polar right. bears are perfect in the... Polar bears are perfect. <laughs> uh, people are turning off. They're like, shut up. I just want to hear about the case. Never mind your stupid <laughs> Um So, yeah. So, it, according to um, Nanook, obviously, it makes sense to name a case that, that is as tough as a bear after a bear. So, um, again, Nanook, they're a Canadian manufacturer of high-quality protective cases, which are used throughout the world for a variety of, di- of different applications and purposes obviously very popular in the united states but they're trying to get some of that canadian market so that's why they sent me some for free and asked me to talk about them they sent other people some cases tracy wilson got some cases and so of course every time she goes to a ccfr event she'll be care carting her cases around in a peck of pickled peppers <laughs> um Yes, yeah, so oh, that's Nanook, great. you're welcome. <laughs> Nano protective cases. Uh, this was years of testing and evaluation in both the laboratory and in the field, um, so that they could come up with unrivaled protection in a variety of sizes, configurations, and colors. So tactical gray and black, obviously. Oh my God, he's got a gun case, right? There, there are people out there with fluorescent orange ones, yellow ones. So if you're walking through the airport with a fluorescent yellow case probably a camera case most people aren't going to think it's full of glocks but and it is actually so or it could be cameras but whatever you know so um they've got their own patented locking system the power claw latching system um and nk7 resin for the outer shell so like you can smack it around with a sledgehammer kind of thing uh they're built for going up the himalayas going you know down rivers in canoes they're rugged they're waterproof they're guaranteed for life um, they're designed to, wisp- to withstand smallest tumbles to the biggest shocks and everything in between. Um, so is this something oh. that would be like comparable to like a Pelican case? Um, I have a Pelican case, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of features on this case that, that I think is better. Uh, the, uh, the You can open them. I don't know if you've tried to open and unlatch a Pelican case. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a chore. It takes a crowbar to get into them. Um, but yes, Matthew, that's a good analogy or good comparison to, in case people don't know what we're talking about, Pelican's been around for a long time, so pretty much all gun owners can picture a Pelican case. So yeah, it's definitely that style of case, only I would say improved on. And well, I'm not I would, it would make sense. I would think that a bear would be slightly stronger than a Pelican, so. Ah, uh, very good. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, my rifle case, the 995, has TSA locks built into the case. Not really sure how I feel about that because there's two schools of thought. Some people say, nope, TSA shouldn't have access to your firearms. And other people say, yeah, absolutely, TSA should be able to get in. Otherwise, they're going to break your locks off. So anyway, that whatever your thoughts are on that, that's what that one has. Um, my 935, the six-pistol pistol case, it's like... Um, it's like one of the, it has the same features as a regular piece of luggage. It's got a handle. Uh, it's got wheels, excuse me, it's got wheels and it has a, um, what's the carry handle that comes with the back that collapses? You know, that, oh, that's what it is. That's what so it is. Yeah. Nailed it. Handle? A collapsing you, carry Kelly. handle. Yeah. Hmm? Yes. Yeah. It has that. So, and it's like just about the same size of what would fit in the overhead compartment on, uh, on a regular flight. So you're going to be one of those annoying people. Oh, yeah. I, well, the gut will hit you in the face as I'm reaching over you to, I'm going to totally randy you with the cheeseburger belly in the right on the cheek as I am putting in the overhead compartment. Yeah. So um, I got some technical specs here. And I actually, I thought, well, they, they're just making stuff up. But I actually Googled all these things. There's a whole rating system for cases with regards to their water resistance level, their impact resistance level. Um, ATA uh, specification. So they've got a waterproof IP67, or it's IP67 rated. So you can look that up. It's a whole scale on how they rate cases for their level of waterproofness. Uh, impact resistant NK7 resin. And then there's the Airport Transport Association specification 300. So it's an ATA specification 300 case. You got to be a scientist to figure out what that means, but there's a whole chart out there about how this is actually rated. Um, ca- category one impact um, ASTM D hyphen forty one sixty nine DC eighteen drop vibration rainfall like it just these they're, they're solid. They are solid. They're just, solid and durable. Yeah, and they actually are listing their. Uh, ratings by the industry, like the industry standards for cases, all that information can be found on their website. It's just phenomenal. So, um, and since they're 100% made in-house in Canada, they control the production and quality uh, at every step of the process. So, pretty awesome. So, go to www.nanook.com and check them out. Um, I'm loving mine. They're actually they bad. They uh, um, supply cases to Cadex, another great Canadian company who makes uh, chassis and rifles and stuff. So I got uh, my rifle case. I set it up for three gun. I took the foam. I took a Sharpie, laid the rifle, shotgun, and pistol in the case, outlined it in Sharpie, and then cut it out. And I'm like, all right, now, now uh, I didn't have to do that. I could have just continued to lay the firearms on top, but I wanted that cool cutout look. So I also want to use this case for multiple firearms. Nanook sent me two new sets of foam to put into the case. So I just remove one set of foam, drop in the set of foam for my TAC-21 rifle, drop in another set of foam for my bow, drop in another, you know, um, very versatile what you can do with the foam. You can cut out different things or not. You've got your egg crate option. It's, it's pretty wicked stuff. So uh, load it up. All three guns, it's on the heavy side, not going to lie, but that's, you know, that's what you're going to get. It's not a plan O case. It's it's going to be, uh, there's some heft to it because of the, the construction and the material and whatnot. And when you put three guns in it, oi, yeah, it's heavy, but it's, it's what, that's, it's trade-off, right? So, yeah. So, uh, what else do we have? 
Um, I did some work on some guns and I did some shoosting of the guns. My uh, some more Volkortsen parts arrived for my 1022. So I've got everything in the 1022 now, Volkortsen, with the exception of the sear, because I thought I would be smart and cheap out and just buy the hammer. And you and have to just, buy the sear, don't you? You're darn right, but I can't find it unless you buy the whole trigger package. So and in the future, I may just buy a whole Volkortsen trigger kit and pull that trigger out and put the parts in my other 1022 or sell them off or something, unless I can find a sear. So if anybody knows where you can find a Volkortsen 1022 sear, let me know. The trigger's okay, but that sear and that hammer, uh, they don't they don't go together like a Volkortsen hammer and a Volkortsen sear will. I also dropped the Volkortsen extractor in my 597. It's a very popular upgrade for the Remington 597 semi-auto 22. Uh, I never had a problem, but eh, whatever change it anyway because uh, a lot of people um, have issues with the five there's two issues that they have with the 597 and it's failure to feed and the failure to uh, extract so the failure to extract no problem just drop in the Volkortsen extractor the failure to feed is oftentimes there's two guide rods that the bolt rides on and if they are over tightened from the back of the receiver they bow and then the bolt doesn't work correctly so you just ever so gently snug up the set screws against there and you are good to go um i also did some work on the steel challenge just some administrative stuff getting the score sheets ready um ordering the awards stuff like that because that's going to be around the corner in a month so i'm very much looking forward to that and we have some people coming from out of province um jay hines bolivar they're making the trip from ontario i'm not sure anybody else contacted me or not you kevin kelly or kelly you and kevin aren't coming are you no, because we have a shoot that weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, maple seed. Uh, right, okay. So, anyway, um, Adriel, I imagine you'll be here because it's not very far for you. So, uh, <laughs> drive. You could be here at our steel challenge. I know McClatchy's going to be back. Um, and, uh, yeah, so getting ready for that. Uh, I went shooting on the weekend with uh, Muffin and Snuffleupagus. I took out my new 1911 that I had refinished. So this is kind of a, I'm going to try and make this quick, but this was the 1911 that I bought for Archie Perry. So um, I was like, I said the listeners bought a, donated a gun or bought him a gun or whatever. I just didn't want to like say I did it. But anyway, I did it. I bought him a gun. I got a really good deal on it uh, because when we were emailing him to say, what do you need? He said, uh, well, I could use a replacement for my Norinco 1911. And I jokingly said, well, I'm not buying that. Forget it. I'll get you a Glock first. And then found a smoking deal on a um, Dominion Arms 1911 from Wolverine. So they sent it. And then Archie Perry just kind of went MIA for a while. Go figure. Dealing with some stuff, right? And I got tired of looking at it and uh, decided to let my gunsmith, Denis, uh, refinish it. So Denis refinished it. He removed the word Dominion Arms on the slide, uh, polished the res- the frame, polished the slide, hot glued them. It came out awesome. Uh, listener um, or friend of a listener, anyway, Stephen Casey from Nova Scotia. I'm not sure if he wants me to say his name on the air. I mean, might have Too to late. cut that out there. Um, anyway, uh, he sent me a whole pile of. STI parts because he's got a whack of STI guns and none of them are stock. He's upgraded all of them, so he's got a whole pile of STI parts. So he sends me up these STI parts and they're like the icing on the cake for this gun. So it's a Dominion Arms, but it doesn't really look like a Dominion Arms anymore. It's got STI grips from one of my STI pistols and then all the other STI parts on there and it looks amazing. So I'm taking pictures of it. I'm sending it to all my friends and who contacts me on Facebook but Archie Perry? (laughs) It's like, Eh. oh, 
Oh hi. Right. I have a gun for you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so he's like, sorry I didn't get back to you sooner about that nineteen eleven. I know how much you hate those things and I've got it in my hand. It looks amazing. I'm like, Well, do you want to see it? <laughs> so he sent him pictures. <laughs> anyway, long story short, he doesn't want it. <laughs> so, yeah. so you're gonna yeah. keep it. As well, long as you bought it. it, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I actually it wasn't it wasn't a listener thing, it was actually yeah. a turbot thing. So yeah. yeah, so so yeah. Um well, that's but, cool. uh, yeah. yeah, so he's doing good and uh getting back to normal in, in the good old Fort Mac and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing more from him soon. So so I went out and I shot that gun and uh it um as Matthew will point out if I forget to, I had one malfunction with it. <laughs> Other than that, it was Well, uh, no, it's not just that you had one malfunction with it. It's that of all of the guns you brought out, it's the only one that malfunctioned. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> that's the funny part. That's the funny part. <laughs> you know, I I like the gun. But, but it's not what matters. Right. No. What Matthew says is what matters. I like the gun, but it's a... Narenko. Wait. 1911. 1911. So always know, always, you know, it is what it is. So, um, but uh, it was really, really, really accurate. And I was worried because all the other parts were changed except for the barrel. I was like, do I want to drop $350 on an STI barrel to put into a Dominion Arms frame and slide? I probably do, don't I? And then I went and I shot it. It was like, oh, no, this is fine. This is totally fine. So thank God it was fine. Well, that being said, I mean, you did, like you said, you just switched a bunch of parts in it. So that could be why it experienced that one malfunction to it. It could just need to break in a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Like, for example, some of the parts need to be fitted. The slide stop needs to be fitted. But I was worried about the accuracy of that Dominion Arms barrel, and I don't need to worry about it. So also... I finally got my M1 carbine out to the range. Now, this M1 carbine um, gunsmith, uh, friend of Filthy's, who did my M305 work and my built my Garand, he hooked me up with an M1 carbine, and I got it here, and the extractor was all cracked, and he had he had missed that when he was doing his inspection of the gun. So he was like, oh, I feel bad, and he hooked me up with a new extractor and another part that has a small crack in it. So I got that all together, thanks to Filthy. The extractor on... Um, on an M1 carbine requires a special tool to remove it from the bolt. And Muffin, he also got a M1 carbine, and his firing pin was stuck in his bolt. So Filthy really hooked us up. He, he put this thing in the mail and sent it to me. And it reminds me, I haven't sent him his sling swivels yet, but that's that's just because he's a better friend than I am. Anyway, um, got that out. We got uh, our M1 carbines put back together. We tested both of those. Muffin bought an SKS, went to the range, shot it, and was like, I hate you. You told me this gun was crap for years. You were like, don't get an SKS. They're garbage. And he feels just like I do. Once you get your hands on it, once you start to take it apart, see how it's made, once you get it out and you shoot it, it's like, man, why didn't I get one of these like years ago? They're not that bad. They're actually kind of good. The only reason they're a $200 gun in Canada is because there's so many of them. They're a four or $500 gun if you can find one in the United States. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, we had an SKS day, shot our SKSs and I took my five, nine, seven out to test it with that new extractor. And I bought three new, ma- I only had one 10 round mag. So Canadian tire here had a bunch of mags. I picked some up because I need, you need like four for an apple seed, maple seed. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they didn't work so good though. Couldn't get them filled to 10. Um, they weren't feeding. So I think maybe I loaded them and I left them loaded and, um, I'll shoot them next week and see if that if that helps wake them up a little bit or soften them up. So, 
Uh, okay, one. Uh, so, and, and then today, um, well, this week and today, I've been getting ready for the Atlantics. The uh, Indoor Atlantic Canadian Archery Championships are taking place this weekend in Bathurst. It's a 3D tournament on Saturday and a FIDA tournament on Sunday. I'm going to bail on the FIDA tournament and just shoot the 3D on Saturday, which frees up time for me to go to Promotion Plus. So Promotion Plus is an annual trade show that's here in town that our gun club always puts a booth in. So I was over there after work setting that up and uh, we'll be manning the booth with my IPSC gear on this weekend. Finally, uh, Dave Copping uh, from Grand Power Canada sent me a Q100 striker-fired 9mm pistol, a Grand Power pistol, to test and evaluate for the show. So um, I've got some first impressions, but we're running out of time going along here, so I'll save them for next time. But it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's their first striker-fired pistol, and we all know how I feel about striker-fired pistols, so I'm really looking forward to getting this out next week, and, and I think he told me try and kill it is what he said. So that sounds like torture tests to me, doesn't it, Matthew? Sounds like a challenge. A challenge accepted, basically, yeah. So, anyway, first impressions, like uh, all Grand Power pistols that I've got my hands on, very ergonomic. Very ergonomic. Fits me fits me well. It's comfortable. The trigger is um, unique. I'm not, you know, uh, it's not, I'm not, uh, the jury, in my jury is still out as to whether or not I like this trigger or I hate this trigger. It's nothing like I've ever experienced before on a gun. So more, more on that later. Uh, and I have to shoot it before I decide if I like it or not. So, um, definitely duty esque, but that doesn't mean that it's greedy. That doesn't mean that it's heavy or anything, but yeah, uh, more on that later. So, uh, uh, Adriel, how's about you, man? What have you been up to? Cool. Um, let's see. So I, did I mention I bought an A5? Nope. Nope. Oh, I bought an A5. Congratulations. Uh, a black one. all right so for Uh, the listeners who may not know and me what's an a5 it's a shotgun 12 gauge (laughs) i'll get a little bit more into detail (laughs) no that's good that's good carry on go get shotgun uh it's a browning uh it's a browning uh semi-automatic uh 12 gauge shotgun it'll take up to three and a half inch shells uh i am buying it as a three gun shotgun uh, because it automatically loads the shell that you pop into the tube into the port if it's locked back and empty. Uh, what this means is with a three and a half inch chamber, if you add the extension tube to get it up to five and a half, uh, three and a half inch shells, which is like the, the legal limit here in Canada is maximum of uh, five shells in a semi-auto that uh, of, of the type it's made for, which in this case is three and a half. That lets me get seven two and three quarter shells in the tube. Now, I quad load my shotgun, so this shotgun, dry, completely empty, I can simply turn it over, load in two quad loads, to that, and what I'll end up with is one that'll get loaded into the chamber, seven in the tube, and I go from empty to full very quickly. Uh, so it's mm. ki- kind of a cheater shotgun. I don't know. I'll find out when I actually start <laughs> shooting it. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll run across issues. It's They're, they're, they're fairly new um, they, you know, they've had the Browning Auto Fives for a while, but the A5 is uh, is more of an inertial action on it. Uh, so it's uh, it's very different. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to try it out. Uh, the extension tube was from uh, Tactical Ordnance, and uh, it was uh, oh Nordic oh, Extensions. Nordic. That's the Nordic. Yeah. I was yelling at my phone last week when you were like, "What's the one that everybody Nordic, Adriel Nordic?" <laughs> 
And Christina's like, yeah. they they can't hear you, just like every other podcast. You, <laughs> you just have to yell louder. Yeah, yeah, I'll hear you eventually over here in Edmonton. Uh, yeah, so I, I I've got that guy on there. Uh, works great. I'm I'm not going to put an extended bolt release on a shotgun because I don't need one. You don't need to like you don't need an extended bolt release because if it if you run it dry, you just put more shells in it and it loads the shells. So malfunction. Well, I'll I'll handle a malfunction with the uh, charging handle. Yeah, it's still got the button. The button's still there. But you, if oh, I don't never mind. strictly yeah, gotcha. need the, I, I don't I need you, the oversized controls. Sorry, I uh, thought you were talking about the charging handle. You're talking about the bolt release, the button. Yes, yes. Right. I'm just going to leave the button as the button. is. Yeah. I am not going to. I'm not even going to get an extended uh, bolt handle on it because, again, uh, even with my other shotguns, I, I just don't use it that often in competition. It just, it's there. It's, it's handy when you need it, but I don't really want it in the way. I don't want it catching on uh, walls and doorways and that kind of thing and unlocking the thing. So I'm just going to, like, I'm so done. There's no match saver on this thing. There's no point. No, no, there's no point in running a match saver. I run from my belt and I do two quad loads and I go from empty to full. Oh, have you just discovered the next greatest shotgun for three gun? So they're be... starting to be used in the States because you don't have to port load them. So if, if you can count... Like and, and I can't. Well, I apparently. can't. We know that. <laughs> I can't count. Uh, if you can count, like you don't need to do this. You just keep it charged and you load from your belt and you're fine. Uh, but here in Canada, we're limited on uh, on how many shot shells our semi-auto shotguns can take, and uh, so we can't run just a huge tube on it, right? Because we can't run a huge tube on it. Sometimes maybe you need that shell that's that's in the chamber. Maybe you need to take that last shot on that target array before you start moving on to the next one. And now you're stuck with port loading and uh, tube loading on the move. And uh, with this shotgun, it's all just tube loading, right? So less to uh, less to mess up. I hate trying to quad load and like sneak one of those shells out into the port because I forgot that I ran it dry. And then I've got three shells in my hand and I'm turning it over and I'm trying to like throw it. Just it's it's kind of annoying. And uh, just running the quad loads will be uh, will be faster. So is this a newly manufactured firearm or is this something that's been around for a while? Because I, I saw the silhouette of it and I saw your video of you loading it. And it looks like the old school Browning semi-auto 12 gauge. But is this a newly manufactured thing? Newly manufactured, uh, like it's a new model. Yes. Yeah. The old Man. Auto 5 is a long recoil. This one is a, a, an inertial action. It's basically the Benelli action. Mm-hmm. Uh, not basically. It is the Benelli action because uh, their uh, patent expired. Uh, so it's the bit. Sorry, the go ahead. Point? What's the price point on it? $1,500. Mm, okay. They're not a cheap shotgun, but none, yeah, of the, none of the really reliable semi-auto shotguns are really cheap. Some um, of the some of the expensive semi-auto shotguns aren't that reliable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so so that's uh, that's a three-gun talk. That's the uh, that's the A5. Uh, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Uh, oh, we're a couple weeks away yet from our, my next three-gun match, but uh, it's looking good so far. It's been nice, nicely and nice and reliable and clean because it's it's again not gas operated or anything like that. Uh, I used that shotgun to uh, to shoot some snow geese in the face uh, last weekend. <laughs> in the face. In the face. Got up at. Hey, if uh, something's worth shooting. It's worth shooting in the face. <laughs> uh, we're gonna probably get some new listeners who don't listen to like back episodes and like, geez, what's yeah. up with these <laughs> these murderers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anyways, yeah, so I got up at two thirty AM. Uh so I so I could go uh so it was worth it. It was worth it. It was totally worth it. Uh snow geese hunting is is a lot of fun. We actually uh decoyed in uh some really big groups, like thirty birds kind of thing. And uh and having like, you know, four guys sitting there waiting while these birds come in over top of you and uh you know you're they're you're correctly decoying them in, it's it's awesome. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, shot, uh, I don't know how many I shot there. Five or six or seven or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I started the renewal process for my RPAL online. It was kind of easy. I mean, typical government forms are, you know, pretty ugly and mm-hmm. not exactly cutting edge when it comes to how easy they are to use. But um, I was done the process in like five, ten minutes, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I did mine my renewal that way as well, and I actually took a selfie of myself with my cell phone, and that was what I sent to the picture. It's hilarious, uh, and they accepted it. What bothered me though, Adriel, was like after you click submit, I don't remember like getting any confirmation or anything. And then no, I called up, nothing. and they couldn't. F- yeah, and then it says you can check your progress online. So I went looking for my progress online, and they couldn't find a record of it. So. Yeah. I ended up calling, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's done. It's already on the way. Don't worry about it. Huh. I got it. So I did the credit card thing, and I paid online, and it stopped right at the credit card receipt. There was no, like, they should put a confirmation after that. Hey, congratulations, you paid. Now we're going to yeah. start processing or something. But no, they just give you on the receipt screen, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I did get an email. I got an email, confirmation, application received. It's, it, is, it is a sentence. Your application is received. You can review your application status online. If additional information is required, you'll be contacted. That is it. This is like the most bare bones. Oh, yes, yeah, I, don't I did mine online that. last month or two months ago. I can't remember now. And I don't remember feeling worried that things didn't go through it. It seemed to be fairly straightforward for me whenever I did it. The hmm. email he just described, I don't remember getting that. That's why I was like, uh, hmm. Chunk to chunk to junk mail. It might have gone to your, yeah, your spam folder. It's a, mm. it's a pretty mm. crappy email. That's wrong. Yeah. yeah. But hey, the good news is, you know, Trevor got his PAL, I got mine, and Adriel, you you got a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll either come or they or will won't. call us. Yeah. It'll call us as a reference, and we promise you won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adriel who? Never. Uh, actually, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm going to the CQB course tomorrow. And I, I called up the I called up the CFO and I'm like, hey, do I need like because uh, Hungary's uh, tactical teacher is running it, and he said in his CGN post, you'll have to arrange your own short-term ATT. I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder if I need one because I'm gonna go camping, I'm gonna stop at this guy's place, and I'm gonna go back and forth them range camping and that kind of thing. I wonder if they're gonna ask, like, I wonder if they if they want me to get an ATT. So I called him up and said, yeah, you know, I'm gonna. My buddy's going to come to my place. I'm going to drive to some other guy's place. We're going to all drive down to this camp spot, camp there. We're going to go shooting and back to the camping and whatnot. And they're like, hmm, hmm. No, these are already included with your license. You don't need an ATT or anything. All right. Okay. Sounds good. I had I had an ATT canceled. What? what? Yeah. So um, Promotion Plus is this weekend, and we bring restricteds. And we had to jump through some... We had to take some steps that we didn't have to take before. I think our club secretary started the process on our behalf in January, and it was like, no, you can't apply for their ATTs. They have to apply for their own ATT. Also, they wanted pictures of the case that we're storing the guns in after years of going and using the same case. (laughs) All of a sudden, now they want pictures. Yeah, so that's fine. We play along, do all that. Um, So I get an ATT, and it was like, oh, that's the weekend of the Atlantics. I can't go. 
So the CFO's office is talking to our club secretary and confirming up some stuff or whatever. And my club secretary mentions in passing uh, that I won't be going. Well, next thing you know, I get an email. Yeah, your secretary said you're not going. Uh, no, plan change plans. Okay, well, I'm canceling your ATT. Really? You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna undo that? You have that? You're gonna what? Okay, sure, whatever. You got time to kill, I guess. Cancel it. And then I get a phone call. Yeah, you called last week. Uh, no, I I did not call last week. I got a number. I got a note here that says to call you. Nope. Um. N- no, I. Nope. Pretty. Oh, now I know who this is. Yeah. So I'm canceling. <laughs> so no, yeah. So I'm canceling your ATT. Oh. Okay. Yep. Just like your email said, you're you're canceling. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Have a have a good day. I guess. So then uh, this morning, I realized my plans changed. I'm only doing one day at the Atlantic's, not two days. So I am going to go to the Promotion Plus Friday night. I am going to go there all day Sunday. So I send an email. I'm like. Yeah, can you reactivate that ATT? <laughs> and uh, I got another one, yeah. <laughs> yep. yep, the same person who canceled it sent me another one, so awesome. And I got it right away, so whatever. That's good. Just kind of funny. I never heard of anybody canceling an ATT before, but like I said. Are, are those in province or out of province? No, it's down the street. Like, I can see the venue from my house. Is it a gun show, though? <laughs> no. Then, it. yeah, you need an ATT. Yeah, I oh, realize the that. The Alberta yeah. CFO looks for, in, in my experience, they look for any opportunity not to do an ATT. Well, for sure. Why? Because it's work they don't have, you know? So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> did, did I tell you the story about how I had Jason in an absolute, night, like a like a panic attack last year at this thing? So I got a yes. buddy. Who, I, yes, I did. I'm not sure if I told the show or not anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tell yeah, it I again because people want to hear how so you I sh- Screwed over your friend. Go ahead. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, you know, I like to pull the pranks once in a while, right? I should tell the dishwasher story sometime. But anyway, um, <laughs> my buddy, I shoot archery with it with a cop. And uh, so other listeners know that a, a cop got me into uh, Ipsic. So anyway, I shoot archery with this, with this uh, officer and his son. So I asked him if he would help me out with a little prank. And uh, I'm definitely not going to mention any names because maybe he's not supposed to engage in these kind of pranks. But I, I said, uh, you carry your badge in your wallet. Yep. All right, cool. Here's what I want you to do. Come up to the booth and ask to see his license, ask to see his ATT, ask for all this paperwork. And he's going to like immediately turn to me and ask for help. So he comes up to the booth and he looks at muffin and he says, you the president. Yeah. Can I talk to you? And he flashes the badge. So he's like, okay, uh, what's up? Are you selling gun club memberships here at this, at this event? Yeah. He says, you don't have a recruitment license. He said, what? So we got a call from the CFO's office saying that we there was a complaint. You're selling gun club memberships at this event. This is not a gun show. You can't sell gun club memberships here. You need a recruitment license. And he looks at me. He goes, Trevor, Trevor, stop, stop, don't, don't, don't sell that lights. Don't, don't, don't sell that membership. Come here. I look at them and I ignore them and I keep. And then the guy is like, "What's going on? I, I'm selling a membership to the, some guy off the street." So uh, he calls me over again. So I walk over. I'm like, "What's up?" Uh, this is so constable so-and-so and he says that we're not allowed to sell gun and he, Jason like is like white as a ghost. He's trying to give me this because then while I ignored them the first time he tells Jason, we're, pr- I'm pretty sure you're not going to be under arrest, but I'm, you're going to have to come up to the, to the office with me. We've got to do some paperwork. So Jason, Jason thinks he's got to leave with this guy. So 
he later told me that he wasn't going to make it out of the parking lot, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> so, um, muffin calls me back over and I go over and he tells me the story again. And I look at the cop and I look at Jason, I put my hand on Jason's shoulder and I push him towards the cop and say, you're the president and walk away. <laughs> and then he lets him in on the joke as the cop is walking away. Uh, he yells out, Jason yells out to the cop and says, whatever you do, don't bother looking for Trevor's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That's funny. Okay, sorry, where are we? Is it Kelly's know. turn? Well, are you uh, finished yeah. with the CQB? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna, oh, actually, uh, I'm going to go do that CQB course tomorrow with uh, Will, who you guys know, and yeah. uh, Chad, who you guys also know. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. cool. Say hello well, to fun. them for us. Chad, well, Chad, who, yeah. Chad who hooked me up with a castle nut. Yes, he's the guy. Chad. Yep. He, he also his... changed his Patreon support too. Yes, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So we're on to me. Yes, on to you. Okay. Phrasing. We're on to you. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor build on going to Michigan with us, but that's okay. He never. I never said I was going. I said I would look into it really hard. <laughs> and then I opened my wallet, and that was the end of looking into it. <laughs> All right. So we did end up going to Michigan uh, last weekend. Gallen, who is also in New Brunswick, and he drove even further than Trevor would have, and they could have carpooled. He came to Michigan. <laughs> First of all, how did Gallen get a passport? I have no idea. That's probably he obviously fake. got it's one because he got fake. across the border. <laughs> obviously fake. Uh, second of all, did you have story time with Gallen? Uh, there's always story time with Gallon, but it was a little more low key. We were drinking. Oh, we were drinking. Um, oh, I know James, you were drinking. If I James, got one more bo- one more <laughs> selfie with 15 bottles of whiskey in the background, Scotch and Irish whiskey, I was gonna board a flight, and it wasn't gonna be pretty. God, well, guys, we had pretty me. much everything, and then you we had were every, also every type of Jameson that I'm aware of on the table. That is correct, and then we also had. Um, Games or Cards Against Humanity, and one of it, the funny thing is, Gallon. He's he's adorable, isn't he? He adorable is not the word I'd use. No, he he truly is adorable. And uh, there's a story behind that, but I won't tell you about it now. I'll have to be off. As <laughs> <laughs> like all Gallon stories, they have to be off air. Yeah, yes. right. But one of the funny things is we we made you know those cards that are blank that you can yes. put on. Well, we oh, made yes. hash- hash- me a picture of one of those. That was me. Hashtag oh, yes. not not gallon. <laughs> <laughs> he he got that card. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was hilarious. But we had fun time. We went and we went to Michigan. We went to the international uh, meetup for Appleseed. It's on Patriots Weekend, and it was really really fun. We had other people that attended, like Mike Island, who is your co-host from the Reloading Podcast. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met him in person? I have not, not yet. Yes, I keep I've met him twice in person. Oh, more than you. <laughs> I'm Kelly. I met Mike twice in person. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Mike bring his children? He did. He brought both the boys, uh, Eli and Elijah. They are amazing kids, by the way. Yes. And the other thing is, he got up at two thirty in the morning with the kids to come to the shoot. And awesome. That way, that was awesome. The boys did really, really well. They uh, they brought their rifles. the The bad thing about it was the the rifles. They were they were really nice because they were an archangel um chas or stocks. One was red, one was blue. It was really cute. Uh, they had 
brand new scopes that weren't sighted in. So we helped them sight in their rifles, and they did amazing. They were getting up into the high 190s. So the next shoot that they're going to be at, they are going to actually make the rifleman score. Mike did really, really well as well. Did he, he make rifleman? He didn't make rifleman this time, but I'm a... I'm I'm confident in his ability to to get there next time as well. Him, the boys, they said they were going to go out and practice again, a little bit more, and then they would. I'm sure that he'll get it. He was also using uh, his bolt action at one point as well. He he Mike was struggling with getting comfortable, and that's one of the biggest things that you have to do. Mike's a big man, and he had a he had some pretty tiny rifles, so we tried to b- build them up, and he was getting it down after a while. He was getting he was getting a pretty good score too, and he was using open sights too, so iron sights. So that was pretty awesome. He did he did really really well. The other thing is Gallon. He scored rifleman with, with iron sights. Irons, yeah. yeah. So he's so far one upped everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So he did really well too. We also had some other people show up too. Uh, Bill Wilson, who is an amazing shooter, he can pretty much shoot on his head and still score rifleman. And then we had a, a, an amazing person. He His, uh, his name is Ken. He, uh, he lives in uh, Ohio, and he came to the shoot specifically because uh, Kevin, myself, and uh, Rick and Mario were going to be there. And he scored 243. What? Yeah, he shot a 243. And Holy. he says, I've, he goes, I've never shot it, that before. And it was, he cleared the last, the final stage. He uh, cleared it. So 100, he got a perfect score on it. So he shot a 243. Now, for those that don't know us, perfect score is a 250. Yeah, it is. And I've only ever seen one of those. And I actually haven't seen it. Uh, I've seen it, pictures of it posted. So... Yeah, so Ken Gilchrist, uh, he came. It was amazing to meet him, and he just came because of the fact that he wanted to go to a, a Patriot Day shoot, and he wanted to come to the shoot where there was going to be Canadians. The funny thing is, it's a Patriot Day. Uh, April 19th, 1775 is the day that this all revolves around, the revolution, the American Revolution. Now, okay, so this is held every year. The Appleseed, Project Appleseed has thousands of shoots across the country. This one was the one that was in Battle Creek, Michigan, and it was run by a bunch of Canadians. So we went all, all went down. We did the points of instruction uh, for everything. We, we ran the line. I did the history. I talked about, I talked about the uh, second strike. So I taught about the American revolution. It was pretty funny. Anyways, uh yeah and what else did we do uh we had a great time oh fun shoot friday so again bill wilson one of my favorite people ever he brought the uh a whole bunch of different toys he brought his scar and which had a suppressor so i got to shoot that we shot some ak-47s what else did we shoot oh yeah the styre og that was kind of cool it was the bullpup it was the white one that looked like kind of like a clone trooper it was it was kind of cool I sent you pictures, didn't I? Yep, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. He's just silently loathing you right now. Don't absolutely. Did I tell you that he bailed on us and he could have came down and actually shared the car ride with Gallon and everybody else? But no, he didn't. All right, <laughs> and <laughs> he could have done all that. He could have. Yeah. So, so on top of events, 
<laughs> you all done there, Kelly? Yeah, pretty much. All I'm right. Done. So, time to talk about the 7th Annual Canadian Podcasters Charity Shoot. It'll take place on Saturday, the 8th of July in Guelph at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club uh, in Guelph, Ontario. It will be hosted jointly by the Canadian Patriot Podcast and the International Liberty or Death Podcast, the last episode of which was excellent. If you haven't checked it out and are a regular listener, you go on a Go check that one out. I think the boys were off for a couple of weeks, and they are back, and it was a good one. This year's charity is Many to One. Go to uh, many-to-one.org to check out information about that charity. Uh, there are four spots available still, Matthew? Sure. Okay, yeah, I, I thought that hasn't changed. Oh, okay, so on day one of the Frilacci Pistol Course in uh, Alberta, there are four spots on day one. That's the basic fundamentals course. Day two is sold out, and uh, the date for day one is the 15th of July. So come on out and get you some training. If you're interested, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We will get you signed up. And we're also going to have a pub night in conjunction with that weekend when we're there so the pub night will be uh thursday night and actually it's not a pub we're going to get drunk at adriel's office i think so <laughs> yeah okay now adriel my only question is who's going to cook us chicken wings if we're at your office uh burgers is there a barbecue How's yeah this? we got a barbecue then i'm gonna make a mess we gotta clean up this is better I mean, than going we can we can do a bar if you want to it's just That's it'll be nice and it's kind of central the temps clean up, Trev. Come on. Oh, yeah. The interns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it'll either be at a pub or at Adriel's office. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on getting it to a pub. I don't know. I just, I mean, not that I, have, not that I haven't been drunk in an office before, but that's not for this show. You know what I'm saying? That's a different show. <laughs> that's, that's, that kind of, that's the kind of talk I say for the reloading podcast. Um, all right. Next, I'll take this one as well. The second annual Ronnie DeGroote Steel Challenge will take place at the Rescuish Gun Club on June 3rd. Uh, registration is 10 a.m., 20 bucks, 250 rounds. Steel Challenge stages as well as a couple, a couple of other fun things like plate racks and dueling trees and Texas stars and shoot-offs and stuff. Emphasis on fun. So uh, if you like you some steel, you don't have to be a member of IPSC. You don't have to have a black badge. Just be safe and have a holster that covers the trigger guard and uh, have a pistol 9mm and up, etc. I don't care. I'll let you shoot it with a 22, but you're just shooting for fun. So uh, I'm happy to take your 20 bucks and make fun of you as you miss with a 22 because that's the kind of guy I am. All right. Who's got uh, caps? Yeah, that's a great way to encourage kids to come out and shoot that Ronnie DeGroote Steel Challenge. It's a fantastic well, You know what? I'm just, look, no, I'm just, look, okay, so the caps is uh, coming <laughs> to Grand Prairie on June 28th and 29th. <laughs> Children shouldn't play with guns, Matthew. It's very dangerous. Yeah, that's that's what we encourage here. <laughs> <laughs> Caps, you were saying? Yeah, uh, Grand Prairie, June 28th, 29th. He needs a minimum of 10 people to join before April 28th. So uh, if you want to get in on that, you should do it. Now, do we know if he's doing live fire at this one? or Don't, don't know. Don't know, eh? All right. Who's got uh, the next one from Jason Philp? From Jason Philp, the BTSA, the Buffalo Target Shooters Association, is having some young gun shoots contests in Calgary, Alberta at the Sibold Flats uh, shooting range. Uh, September 30th will be the turkey shoot. October 22nd will be the pumpkin shoot. And December 31st will be the snow shoot, snowshoe shoot. <laughs> Contact yeah. Nick or sign up on Facebook. Yeah. And I have the one from Ryan, so uh, Ryan McLeod. The Meaford Long 
The Meaford Long Range Steel Challenge PRS match will be running on September 1st to the 3rd at the Canadian Forces Base Meaford. Registration opens May 1st at 10 a.m. And follow us on ba- Facebook for more details as uh, the quickly growing sponsor list is there and you can check out all the details. Awesome. Matthew? Yes? Just, you want to do the sporting clays one, please? <laughs> <laughs> Canadian Sporting Clays. The next matches are Shot Shell, uh, Alberta, Cabin Fever Prelim on Friday, April 28th. Um, Wapiti? Wapiti? Wapiti. Alberta. Cabin Fever, April 29th and 30th. Uh, St. Hubertus in Manitoba, April 29th. In Brandon, Manitoba, Ducks Unlimited. And CNSCA registered May 7th. Cool. Hey, Drill, what's this uh, three-gun thing? Yeah, so well, I, I was just going to uh, pull up the three-gun matches for the next uh, next two weeks kind of thing. Sweet. Uh, the next one that we've got here is the Valcartier Multigun. That's in Quebec. Uh, that one is on Saturday, the April the 29th. Uh, Lakeland Three-Gun will be running their introductory uh, for the season match on April 29th at 8 a.m. That one's going to be at the Cold Lake Range. Uh, after that, heading into May, we've got the BTSA. They're going to be running their Monday Night Action Leagues. Uh, Saturday on uh, May the 6th, we'll have the Ontario Action Shooting. That's shotgun only. Uh, and then on Saturday as well, we have the Vancouver Island 3-Gun. Uh, that will also be happening. So if you want more information about those events, check out uh, 3gun.ca. Awesome. And um, whoever put in the first RCMP news item from Caliber magazine about air 15 receivers somebody want to talk on that yeah i think i put all of these so are you guys aware of this one the yeah i'm aware yeah. of it i didn't bother to read it um i'm not caring a whole lot maybe as much as i should but it looks to me like the rcmp are, are taking measurements internal dimensions of air 15 receivers and looking at changing what used to be the accepted standard for a semi-auto receiver yeah, so there's like the high shelf and low shelf uh, AR-15s. Most of them out there are high shelf. It's it's at the back there, kind of where your safety and uh, uh, where you would put one of those uh, uh, those little wedges that would uh, that would go between your upper and lower. Yeah, the accu yeah, wedge. So, so the shelf is the area inside the receiver, right behind the selector. That is a basically a chunk of aluminum that exists in semi-automatic receivers, but in an M16 or an M4 receiver that shelf that you're talking about is not there correct yeah it's much lower and i believe it's wider and uh and they're saying well if if you have that low shelf it's very easy to change it over to fully automatic yeah because i have all the parts on hand right yeah Yeah. i have the sear and i have the hammer and yeah wait no i don't (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. so adriel sum it up or do we need to get out calipers and start measuring our receivers and calling the RCMP? Do we need to, uh, are, are, are some of my lowers at risk of becoming prohibited? What, what's, what's this all about? Probably not. Um, there's a, there's a list. Um, is it on that URL? Uh, most, most of the ARs out the, these days won't, uh, won't be impacted by them, but uh, there were just a, a very select few that, uh, that were a little bit wider at the back there. Right. Well, they show the original SP-1. So it's a Colt SP-1 model of AR-15 lower. And it was my understanding that for years that was the uh, international standard. If it was mo- if your lower was 
machined to the specs of the SP one, then everybody said, "Okay, this is good. We 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 need a standard. This is the standard." Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure of the details. I know my I know my rifle's not in there, <laughs> um, but it just seems I don't know. It's weird, right? Because it's not like there's a whole bunch of people out there uh, making full auto AR-15s. I don't know. Maybe they found one guy who like machined out his AR-15 and put some full auto parts in there or something. Well, I'm just wondering why. What's the point? Why did they bring all this up? Why are they stressing know. us out? Like, <laughs> why do they? Uh, why do they? You know, prohibit oh, the Blaze Forty Seven. <laughs> I was you. You nailed it. I was looking for logic in in gun laws. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very good. What about the court battle that the NFA won? Uh, well, the NFA won. The NFA helped fund a lawsuit against the Quebec CFO because a trapper was denied an ATC. Now. It's, he didn't get an ATC out of this, so why do we care about this? Why is this important? Because uh, the, Sorry, was, go ahead. Go Tim. ahead. I was going to say the uh, Quebec uh, CFO got a slap on the wrist, basically, is what it is. They're so overstepping the, their bounds. Right. The CFO was trying to impose special criteria on this guy that didn't exist. He was making up rules, and he was told, you can't make up rules. Correct. So the guy didn't get anything out of it, but the CFO was told, you can't do that. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't even as significant as Daniel Bolosky being told or winning his case in the Ontario CFO being told you must issue him his ATT, and which, as far as I know, he never did and never was held accountable for it. There are no consequences for him ignoring court order. But so <clears throat> I don't want to downplay this. I think it's I think it's important that the NFA did something significant and is staying relevant and financially backed this guy. But it really, what came out of it? Like, what did we get out of this? Well, not much. There's maybe a much. shot at at, at uh, one of the positives I would say from this would be uh, definitely a shot across the bow for the CFO. Um, I think some people, some He's people not just the keep, first keep CFO. Their, it's it's not the first win against the CFO. It's not the time first time that they've sued the CFO. But if like imagine uh, the CFO has a budget because I'm sure they have a budget of some kind. Yeah, and they imagine have our they. Money. Yeah, well, it's, it's our money, but they, they also have a budget that they have to work towards. And imagine they keep getting sued and losing and spending all this money losing in court. At some point, someone's going to get pissed off about it and, uh, and give them different mandates. Hey, stop making up rules and pissing off these guys and getting sued and losing all the time. Or, so, or get, I mean, get fired or get told to retire. Like Brian Doyle was sued uh, a couple of times and I, Brian Doyle, former New Brunswick CFO. Um, an Ipsic shooter here in the province sued him. I, I maybe multiple times for sure once and for sure one once. And it was over, uh, issuing an ATT that whole, you got to join a gun club to get your ATT. And that's actually not in the act. And so they went to court and, uh, and uh, the Ipsic shooter won. Mm-hmm. So it's not the first time a CFO has been, been sued or taken to court. And I just don't see a big win here. Like, it's not like he was told he can't have an ATT and then he got his ATT. No. Okay. I'm, I'm asking cause maybe I missed something here. And, all right, cool. Well, it's still, like I said, though, it's still good to see the NFA being active and, and supporting this guy in his lawsuit. And I guess they flipped the bill for it through the, uh, a lawyer they have in Quebec. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what it said. Awesome. All right. Uh, Adrian, you want to take the bullseye one? Yeah, so getting into just some of the uh, more products that are showing up here in Canada, uh, Bullseye Sports has got the Vortex Razor HD 
AMG rifle scopes uh, in stock. These are a 30 millimeter, kind of like a tactical precision rifle kind of a kind of a scope. Uh, they are not inexpensive. These are $3,600 scopes, but uh, the Vortex Razor HDs are pretty clear and really yeah. good for those uh, long range shooting. And, and the things that also got some of the line. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's also got a killer t- uh, turret setup on it. That's uh, that's very cool. Also seems to have an MRAD reticle. Yeah, uh, I think you you call it what a, a Horus reticle when it's got that many like dash like a Christmas tree kind of thing up the sides. We're gonna get emails about this now. <laughs> I know we are, <laughs> but uh, it's it's got a it's got a reticle on it that has a ton of holdover and windage points on it, so that you can make rapid corrections and then shoot for what you know the windage and uh, and uh, drop to be uh, at distance. So this is what my TAC-21 needs. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to go be shooting out to 800 meters a kilometer kind of a thing, this is this is the scope to do it with. Well, I'm not, but I'd like to be at the range bragging. Well, if I wanted to, I could, because that there's an H- <laughs> that's an HD razor. <laughs> well, pay more for that than the gun. <laughs> yeah, with with those requirements, absolutely, that is the the scope you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's a cool scope. Uh, the next one I have here is Canada Ammo has the 760 no, by 30. Sh- stop. I don't want you telling people about this because Muffin and I might get some next week and I expect there to be some left. <laughs> you, you, have, you have to buy them now then because they, the, the last time they did this, they, they sold out of this stuff really quick. Yeah, the Norinco stuff's been coming and going for a while. Yep. And then they had the Dominion stuff made specifically for them. What was cool about the Dominion stuff was you can get it in full metal jacket or jacket and hull point. And the Dominion stuff was all lead core. It didn't have steel core. So I don't know if this Nork stuff has a steel core in there. I know it's steel full metal core, jacket. Steel jacket. Some of these, some of these will run like a, a steel jacket. Yeah. And that's, yeah. if you want to shoot it at an indoor range or something like that, that's a no, no. Yeah. Um, but it's different. That's different than a steel core, which is like that penetrator. Yeah, and it's not even that they designed. Oh, this is steel core. Yeah, it is. Twenty-two green steel core. Yeah. Yeah. So, but still, if you if you can shoot it at an appropriate range, you're getting twelve hundred rounds for three hundred seventy dollars, and it's non-corrosive. See, I'm never I'm never buying corrosive for either of my SKSs. I I, I had corrosive ammo back in the day when I had a CZ eight five eight, and nope, I'm over it. I won't do it. I'm too lazy. Yeah, you heard it uh, here first. Yep, it, it just is a pain in the butt. <laughs> just just dealing with uh, with cleaning them afterwards, and if yeah. you don't do it, they rust. So exactly. maybe maybe if if you're going to go sh- to the gravel pit and shoot a lot, this is the stuff to have because you don't have to clean your SKS when you get back. It's just ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah same as same as my Mosin. I'll just buy MFS non corrosive stuff. I'm not. It's not like I'm going to shoot my Mosin a lot, so I'll spend the money to shoot it when I want to shoot it to get to get non corrosive. Oh, Canada Ammo had non-corrosive 760 by 54. Oh, that would have been a while back here. Mm. But when when I do get an SVT 40, then I'll definitely be on the hunt for a crate. So, Hmm. because that that's even more of a pain to take down and clean if you buy corrosive. So, yeah, the SVTs. Yep. All right, keep going. What else is out there for sale that we don't have money to buy, but we're going to do anyway? Thank you, credit cards. (laughs) So I I have this one in here for a reason. The next one here, Al Flaherty's has. Smith and Wesson MMP15 Sports on for $6.99. Now the reason I have this in here is for the longest time I've been recommending Norks like Nork ARs to people, uh, the Norinco CQAs, 
uh, were, oh boy, at one time I saw them at like five twenty nine. This isn't even that long ago, but these days they're going for six ninety nine. So the price has changed. You know, our, our Canadian dollar isn't isn't as good. Uh, but what has also changed is we're starting to see a lot more American uh, ARs in country here for really in, inexpensive prices. Uh, I Run Guns brought in a, a whole pile of different ones, and uh, and I think guys like Al Flaherty is with this one for six ninety nine. It's the same price as a Nork. So do you buy the Norinco with you know whatever warranty it comes with, or do you buy the Smith and Wesson uh, AR? And I think the the answer on this one is obvious. The yeah. Because the Smith and Wesson is going to Smith and Wesson will be mil spec, where the Nork, not everything on it is mil spec. There's uh, you got to be careful when you're buying the Nork and you want to upgrade it and change it. If you just want to leave the Nork alone, it's a great M4 clone and it's got uh, chrome line barrel, ambi safety, and ambi magazine release. Those are hundred dollars a piece uh, mm-hmm. on the gun right out the box. You're not going to get that on the M&P, but what you are going to get is the uh, the, the standard mill spec where you know once you rip everything off and start throwing magpul on there it'll it'll work mm-hmm. yeah so. exactly and uh i don't know better better brand and uh, and all that jazz so it's uh probably something that more people will be going for yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh corwin arms they just got a shipment of uh, a bunch of mill syrup so i was hoping you'd be on today trevor because uh you know there's a whole bunch of stuff here for you to buy uh, they've, got, they've got Swiss K31s, K11s, G9611s, uh, SMLEs, long branches, and Yugo M48 rifles. Those M48s, now if you're really, yeah, if you're older and, and you remember what Mausers used to go for, you probably look at this price and think like, well, that's not such a good deal, but, um, it's the best I've seen recently. They've got some Yugo M48s in 8mm Mauser for 475. So these are are generally good quality Mausers, and they're like not new production; they're the the older production. But for four seventy five, pretty good deal. They got M one carbine magazines. Oh, is it, is Yugo the same manufacturer of that car? Cause, Kinda, because <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've seen those Yugo cars, and I'm not sure. The Enfield number hmm. four spike bayonet. I need one of those. Yes, they also have a bunch of bayonets. I, I didn't put that on here because this is a gun show, not a bayonet show, but they've got bayonets too. Oh, we should start a bayonet show for sure. 25 bucks. I need a bayonet for my Savage Enfield, boys. I need it's a bayonet yeah. for my Glock. <laughs> I could send you one. I, yeah, I, I know. print them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, bud. I'm good. <laughs> awesome. What else we got, Adriel? Awesome. Let's keep going here. Uh, SNJ is making 9mm and or 40 linear comps so if you've got a a pistol caliber carbine you might have found that it's actually it's kind of difficult to find muzzle devices for these things that's your uh, jr carbines and all that kind of stuff so they're actually making these now so if you're looking for something to uh put on your jr or something like that that's still not going to make it really loud which i don't know if you want to take your jr carbine out for uh, rabbit hunting or just go shoot it out of a gravel pit or something like that. A linear comp is kind of nice because then it doesn't uh, increase the blast on it. So, uh, uh, I think that's very cool. And 59 bucks is, uh, is pretty cheap as well. Yep. Uh, next up, Wolverine Supplies. Uh, they've decided to start parting out their, uh, their, their CZ, uh, 858 Spartans that, uh, that ended up getting classified as prohibited. Uh, so they're uh, they're selling the uh, wood furniture sets off them and the parts kits uh, off them as well. Uh, so I guess they're you know this is a this is a way of them you know recouping something from from their investment. And uh, yeah, so if you're looking for 
if you're looking to replace the beaver barf on your 858, uh, <laughs> that's the that's that's the the friendly uh, name for the chopped wood yeah. uh, pressed whatever stock that uh, that's on the 858s. These ones are way nicer. They're real wood. They're stamped with the Canadian uh, leaf on them. They're very cool. Or maybe these ones might have the uh, helmet on them because they're the Molon Lobby or whatever. I got a, I got a question. Uh, maybe I've been under a rock uh, in a cave on Mars. Um, the CZ858 and the Swiss Arms were both deemed prohibited for a short period of time. And then the mm-hmm. conservatives said, no, no, don't do that. And uh-huh. put them back non-restricted, right? I think you're living under a rock because these ones will no, Let me get there. Let, let me okay, get there. So they went back to non-restricted. They said some of these were converted autos. They prohibited them. And then they went, oh, sorry, we're going to make them non-restricted again. Right? Right? Yes, that's what happened. Somebody confirm that for me? Yes. All right. Now, the CZ-858 Spartan was a brand newly manufactured rifle? No. Okay. It was, it's just the 858 with uh, different furniture on it as far as I know. Okay, that's the, all right. That that explains it then, because I was wondering how they newly manufactured a semi-auto only and got it prohibited. So they just took a bunch more 858s and put fancy furniture on them. That's what happened. Yeah, and the RCMP, when they brought them in, considered them a new FRT number and therefore prohibited. If they would have wow. called them the same, they would have said, oh, well, those are the same. Those are now non-restricted. But because these are a new rifle you're bringing in. <laughs> doesn't. Doesn't just reek of revenge. Yep. Yep. Wow. All right. I'm out front of my rock. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Wolverine's trying to do something with them, and they're, and they're selling uh, some of the parts off them. Uh, the next one I have here, the MMP 2.0s are starting to show up in, uh, in shops across the country. So Select Shooting okay. Supplies is the one that I found. And uh, they're cheap. They're $6.99. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the MMP 9s used to go for less than that. Uh, but uh, times change. The Canadian dollar, you know, is, is down quite a bit. So like recently, as in like uh, a few months ago, uh, these pistols were going for 700 plus. Uh, these MMP 2.0s are a little bit more inexpensive uh, they, and they have a better trigger in them. Uh, so uh, yeah, they're a lot cheaper, 699. So competing with, uh, definitely competing with the Glock. Oh, still a hundred and some dollars less than the Glock. Yep. I mean, still not as ubiquitous as a Glock, but getting up there, there's uh, I, I see those a lot. The MMP9s. Oh yeah, after the Glock, I think probably the next most popular striker fired nine mil is the MMP. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's been around for quite a quite a while. That's why. So yeah, and now they're right. the, like this MMP2 is is doing the one thing to really fix what was a problem, which was the uh, the trigger. Yeah, yep. uh, I think that all they did was drop the MMP Pro trigger in. Uh, maybe my buddy had an MMP pro and the trigger wasn't fantastic. We still, we still swapped it out with, uh, uh, apex. the apex. Yeah. And yeah. that apex, well, that apex is so much nicer. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Ready for the main topic? Nope. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what, Kelly? We're doing it anyway. All Ready right, or fine. not. Here you come. All right. Joining us this week, uh, we have two very special guests or a special guest plus one. We have Kevin plus Kelly. (laughs) 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 So uh, Kevin Latham is joining us with Kelly uh, to discuss 
uh, all things Maple Seed. It, it's our turn. Um, Kevin, as some of you probably know, is a host over on the newly Canadianized uh, Modern Rifleman Radio, a show that used to be American is now, would you say, Kevin, it's uh, 78% Canadian? Yeah, that's about right. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. We're infiltrating the podcasting world one show at a time and Canuck is standing them all. So anyway, enough about that. Um I just woke up, so if my jokes suck, that's why. <laughs> Full I like this. This is carry on. <laughs> right, yep. Great. Finally, somebody so, else's jokes are terrible instead of just mine. Yeah. Now I know how it feels to be McClatchy. I'm going to go shoot warning shots later. <laughs> so anyway, um, Kevin and Kelly, thank you for coming on to talk about uh, Project Maple Seed. And uh, for the listeners that only listen to this show because they're loyal uh, and know that we're the only one that matters... <laughs> Let's tell the story um, from the beginning, how Kevin and Kelly got involved in the project Appleseed and where that turned into, hey, we need to take this home to Canada and make our own version of it. So why don't you guys, because Ke- Kelly, your whole shooting career is very much intertwined with the yep. Appleseed and the Mapleseed and the, the, the transition is from new shooter to podcaster to slam fire radio to ccfr like you've been on this crazy journey for mm-hmm. what are we going on three years now two years two and years all, and it's all kevin's fault man good job yeah. kevin you created an animal <laughs> i think it's stacy's fault actually oh i'm okay yeah. with that we can totally blame stacy <laughs> stacy uh was responsible for crosno sending me clowns so they're both kind of <laughs> on the uh bad guy list right now but anyway we'll more on that later you like and, clowns okay. Love clowns. Can't get enough clowns. So people should send you posters of clowns, especially the scary ones, right? (laughs) We need to go back and cut all of that out. No, we don't. All right. So Kelly, Kelly and Kevin, whoever wants to go first, let's let's tell the story, Kelly, because your venture into shooting is also your adventure into what we now have as uh, Project Maple Seed up here. So how did it start? Who wants to go first? Uh, What is Kevin, I'll go, go first. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there's a lot of talk about Appleseed on podcasts and stuff, and I was I was interested in it. You mean you mean Appleseed Radio? I mean, um, Arm Scrolls Project? Yes. Uh, oh. yeah, and there's I think it was mentioned on others as well. So, um, I kind of heard like I, I saw that there was a bunch of people all getting together in um, in Michigan in March, like I guess two years ago, and I kind of just tagged along and decided to go as well. And I started to get ready for it and. Kelly wasn't really into shooting at all, and uh, I mentioned I was going to Michigan, and she kind of you know, had this kind of odd look, and she, I said, do you want to come? And she's like, well, I don't want to get on a list. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be on a list. I that, was was her, like... that was her big concern, so I went out and picked up another rifle for her and uh, tried to get her out to the range a few times, but she wasn't, I mean, it was the winter time, so it wasn't too too interesting for her, I guess. So we ended up going down there and then uh, doing apple seed with uh, with a bunch of awesome people, and um, and we got oh. got really interested in it. What? That's where we met. That's where we met Brian Bolivar, and yeah. we also met uh, well, Jasmine. I met him before. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hadn't. Jasmine, Stacy, uh, Sticks, um, all these people that we now associate with on a regular basis, base because of of apple seed. Yeah. And Amazing. Tim and Red and Peter. And yeah, yeah. Whoever else? Wow, lots of people. Tim yeah, Blake. The, and the only person that didn't make it was Trevor and well Matthew as well. 
So well, because Thank Michigan, you know, we'll... and with you know, because twenty <laughs> hours of driving, driving, you know, just just yeah. that. Oh yeah. Wasn't Trevor yeah. supposed to go to that one and then he canceled yeah. or something? Ah, oh, here we is go. Is that what happened the year after as well? Yeah. <laughs> and it almost happened again this year. Like I swear, I'm gonna make it. Too late. <laughs> too late. It's never too late. There's one all the time. No, it's one a year. So just before we went, we went to Michigan. I found this. Uh, I was looking around on the Appleseed site, and I noticed that there was an event scheduled in Bancroft, Ontario. I was like, "What the heck is this?" So I immediately registered for it, and um, I I asked Stacy about it, and she says, "Don't you dare tell anyone about that," because she was afraid that we were all going to go to that one and not come to Michigan. Of course, we would never do that. But um, so that was that was the actual first Canadian one. So Kelly, maybe you can kind of take it from uh, when we were in Michigan and that. Can I can I ask a question before Kelly jumps in, and and either one of you can answer? Sure. That apple seed that was in Bancroft, Ontario, was mm-hmm. that the first apple seed to come to Canada? Period. Yes. So okay. so originally what had what had happened was there was another founder. His name is Sluggo on the forum. He had gone down to an apple seed as well, and he thought, hey this is something that we should do up in Canada, obviously. Uh, so he asked around and uh, some of the instructors from New York State uh, were willing to come up to Canada and put on a slash, quote unquote, maple seed just to try it out to see if there would be any interest. Uh, they had to get permission from the board of directors from uh, Appleseed and they endorsed it and said, go, go and try it out and see if there's any interest. So, the maple seed itself, the Bancroft one, was uh, in 2015, and it was in August of 2015. So we did, after, so when we went down for the international shoot in March of 2015, I was super excited about it. I thought this was incredible. I was horrible, uh, but I also decided that I was going to um continue shooting and I was going to be a rifleman. I gave myself a year to do it and and I uh, I thought it was great because of the fact that it was teaching you the fundamentals of shooting. It was giving you everything that you needed in in order for you to improve your shooting to the point where you can get accuracy, consistency and repeatability and also get that that rifleman patch. So uh I came back from Came back from the first international apple seed uh, with within a couple of weeks. I ended up being on another podcast, uh, and then uh, we went to the charity shoot down in down in New Brunswick and met Trevor and Matthew and Owen, and things just took off from there. And now with the maple seed, we never really we went. So Kevin and I we went to the maple seed that was in Bancroft and that's where we met some of the other founders for maple seed. Um, that's where we met Mario and Rick. Those are two of the other directors and Sluggo was there as well. Um, and put it on. Uh, now we found that there was an, it sold out and we also found out that a lot of Canadians are looking for this, but we had scheduled extra shoots afterwards, but they never came to fruition because of scheduling. We didn't want to step on toes. Nobody, we were very, being very Canadian about it, actually. So we continued to go down to the U.S. shoot at Appleseeds down there. Uh, we also um, 
were continuing to try and have other shoots up here. It didn't, it just didn't happen. So a year ago, uh, again, Trevor was supposed to go to this because we scheduled around his schedule. <laughs> yeah, uh, that we one, had a, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my bad. Yeah. yeah, that one was your bad. That was it totally... Was, it was the one that was done again in in Michigan, and it was the one where we were able to everybody was able to obtain their their rifleman patch. It was a winter seed because it was below freezing. It was also freezing rain, and it was just horrible conditions. Why, I think that's why I bailed. I checked the forecast and I was like, <laughs> "I'm out." Yeah. yeah Anyways, enjoy your winter seed patch. Beginning of March in Michigan is cold, mm-hmm. so we we at that point we all. Uh, and I'm talking Mario, Rick, uh, Kevin, and myself, we all were patched. We all earned a rifleman patch. Uh, Kevin had earned his uh, maple seed patch at the maple seed. And Mar- uh, sorry, Rick had earned his maple seed patch as well. Uh, I was close, 208, two points off. But hey, um, so when we were down in Michigan, uh, the uh, the shoot boss there asked us if we were interested in taking our hats for apple seed. Hats mean specific things. You know, orange hats means you're an instructor in training. It means you're accepting uh, the responsibility of spreading the word of, of Appleseed and also instructing others on the heritage, but also on the marksmanship skills. And we all took our hats. I took a blue hat because I thought I would be best suited in the role of an admin. Um, and Kevin and Mario and Rick took their orange hats as instructors in training. Uh, and yeah, Again, nothing about maple seed. Again, we were trying to figure out if we could hold more. We were saying that we were going to do it, but again, we didn't want to step on any toes. Uh, Kevin, do you want to pick it up from there where we decided about Texas? Yeah, so Tim had posted something on uh, one of our Facebook groups saying that there was a instructor boot camp down in Texas. And uh, I don't think he expected us to, to decide to go there. So actually, Kelly and... And Rick and I drove down to Texas, stopping in Michigan and, and Arkansas to see uh, Styx and Edith, and then uh, down to Waco, Texas for a weekend to basically learn how to be instructors and in a formal setting. We'd, we had uh, instructed at one Appleseed previously and down in Coshocton, Ohio, um, the year before, last year, I guess, uh, but uh, we didn't we just taken our hats, read the instructor manual, and went down and tried to tried to do the best we could. So, the the instructor boot camp is really good because they take you through each point of instruction, and you get to practice it. You get to see other people do it. Um, so we we went through that whole process, and uh, <clears throat> then we decided we'd also sign up for another one in Michigan, which was the the following month in February. And then we did we did the same thing. So we went through all the POIs and. And that, and then we just recently came back from Michigan doing a an, uh, an apple seed where we all actually got promoted up one rank. Well, I got promoted two ranks. Everyone else got one up in the uh, the apple seed IIT process. And I guess actually going back to to Texas, Kelly decided at that point that uh, she wanted to. It was to what? Oh, sorry. That I wanted to switch hats. Yeah. Yeah, because I kept getting people telling me, why are you a blue hat? And blue hats are the admin, and they're not required to shoot riflemen. I shot a rifleman. They're saying, well, you shot riflemen. Why aren't you an instructor? I said, because I'm an admin. And they're going, well, you should be an instructor. So I accepted my orange hat, which means that I could instruct. I was going to uh, uh, be in that process. 
So the one reason why we decided to go down to Texas is because it was January and it was Texas, or we could have stayed here in Ontario and froze our butts off, but we decided to go down. And it was an amazing trip. We spent so much time in the car, though, that right then and there we decided, okay, no more, no more. We're going to make this happen. We're going to bring maple seed to Canada and we're going to make it happen. We're going to work with uh, Sluggo and make sure that everybody is included and that we get this out to people because Canada really needs this. It's lacking for any instruction on rifle or anything. So Canada needs this. So we decided no more, you know, being Canadian. Let's, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's stop being Canadian and start something uniquely Canadian. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Let's stop stepping on toes and waiting. Well, I don't understand. I don't understand the, I don't understand whose toes you were worried about stepping on or, or how that played a factor in, in bringing this here. What was what was the issue that you were concerned about? Well, just because of the fact that uh, Sluggo had started the process with the first maple seed in Bancroft. Right. Right. Did but he then, not carry? Did he not follow through? Is he is he not part of this uh, program he, that's happening right now? He absolutely is. But okay. um, but we tried to we wanted to incorporate him in with that because of the fact that we wanted to. To make it happen. He has limitations due to work, but also the, the fact is it's one person. This is something yeah. that's huge. Obviously, we've seen yeah. it take off like to the part, like it's... I got it, you. So, so It's he like kinda, a rolling rock that's just gathering steam. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to see it come to Canada, but then you guys started to make things happen a bit more quicklier. Correct. All right. Yeah. So we're, what we're at now is we've uh, we've developed the program itself, the course of fire. We had a mini seed where we had uh, three people come and they had various levels of, of shooting capabilities and we patched a couple of people and went through the course of fire. We have set up events across the country. There's The reality is there's only five of us. There's five instructors. And to get across the country is a huge task. Uh, we've had to bring on sponsors. We're going to be launching our sponsor page in the next little while as well with that. Sponsors have been able to uh, sponsor things like, for example, we're having youth shoots and we have uh, people that are providing ammo for that. Uh, we have to get to uh, Edmonton and we have shoots in Saskatoon and, and Regina and we have to get there. So we're going to f- fly out a couple of instructors so that they can instruct there. Once we're there, we're going to uh, hopefully, hopefully we will uh, get some people who do earn the rifleman patch. And if they're interested, then start the process of something that's more localized in those areas. And then we can spread it across the country a little bit more easily because it's hard for five people who are all located either in Ontario or uh, just the edge of Quebec to, to get across the country. And we also have set up shoots in um, New Brunswick. Uh, We haven't spread to Quebec yet because we do want that francophone and French piece filled. We need to get some instructors there that are bilingual and also francophone. And the gun laws are a little different than the rest of Canada too. So, but yeah, so we set up shoots. We've gotten the insurance. We've done the incorporation. We have built the Facebook pages, the websites, and we have started the process of of memberships as well. We have annual memberships, but one of the really, really cool things was we had a founder membership drive. Kevin, you want to talk about that? 
Yeah, so we uh, decided that um, since it's Canada's 150th birthday, we would uh, offer 150 founder memberships. So it would be lifetime memberships in Project Maple Seed uh, and come with a few benefits. But basically it was to fund the program in the first year, get us off the ground, because there's obviously a lot of costs involved that we uh, we were up until this point absorbing ourselves, but it's not really sustainable. So, um, yeah, we... And we didn't really know there's there's over a thousand people I guess in our Facebook page Facebook group at that point, but you don't it's very difficult to gauge what the response is going to be, and when we released it, we didn't think we would we think it would take maybe five weeks or so maybe to to sell them if if they even all sold out, but actually all one hundred and fifty memberships sold out within five hours, yeah, before I got home from work. <laughs> I got yeah, home from work and it was too late. It was don't crazy. Be, yeah, don't be sorry. That's an awesome, epic thing that happened. So, question on membership. Right. Uh, do I have to be a member of Project Maple Seed to go shoot a maple seed? Absolutely not. So, you just have to have an interest in shooting. You don't even have to have your pal, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. But you just have to have an interest in shooting. You can sign up for an event. You don't have to. You can sign up for an event online. You don't have to be a member, but the membership piece of it is going to give you some perks. The membership piece will give you a discount on any event you attend. It'll also, we're working with um, retailers right now that are going to offer to our membership, um, whether it be a founder or an annual, uh, just a discount at, at their retail establishment as well. So... There are some perks of being a member. And the other perk is you're actually contributing and you're helping spread Maple Seed you know, across the country to other shooters. So that's a pat on the back, basically. The membership itself is not that expensive. You're t we're talking, is it $35, Kevin? $35. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So for $35, you get you know a cool card that's getting printed and mailed out to you and a patch and, and that. So it's really cool. But yeah, I think the the two for myself personally and everybody's different. The two selling features of the membership will be that I get a discount on um, shooting uh, maple seed, yep. and um, hopefully once uh, sponsors get on board, you know, get a discount, flash my maple seed card at the Calgary Shooting Center and get five, ten, whatever percent off. So that'd be very cool. If Calgary Shooting Center wants to come on, we'd be willing to talk to them. Well, they're not. I mean, this is this is yes. the non-communist program, so it probably is, it is a non-communist program. Yeah, it's, so I can see them wanting to partner up for sure. Okay. <clears throat> we we know a guy, so yeah, I know. Awesome. So one of the big differences between the U.S. and Canada is down in the U.S. They do it's a two-day program and they incorporate history. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that that piece in it. We're doing one day shoots right now, and we will next year build in the history piece because we want to do it right. The other thing that they do down in the states is known distance shoots, and we're looking at incorporating that in next year as well. So those are for longer longer distance as well. Cool. So yeah. So so why don't we get into the nuts and bolts of the program? Sure. Um, we're shooting. Obviously, it's a shooting program. It's a marksmanship program where you teach people how to the fundamentals of marksmanship. So you, that means you show them how to hold the rifle. You show them how to find their natural point of aim. You show them how to use a sling, different shooting positions. 
Um, so you're teaching people to shoot a rifle, basically, right? Right. Okay. And what kind of rifle can I bring? You can bring anything that you have, as long as it's it's allowable at that range. So range rules, if it says that you it's only ten twenty or twenty two yeah. caliber, you can only bring a, a twenty two caliber rifle. Now, if you if it has, says that you can shoot anything up to fifty BMG, well, you can shoot a fifty BMG, but it's so going to be a very expensive shoot for you. If if it's if it's a non communist range, you can shoot whatever you're allowed to own legally. Correct. Okay. So if it's one of those ranges that says no restricteds allowed on this one, then okay. All right. Yep. So, yeah, assuming we're shooting on free free ranges, mm-hmm. um, what is the most popular firearm to bring, though? Most popular is a twenty two caliber, and the reason is because of the fact you're going to be going through approximately 400 rounds. And in that 400 rounds, if you're talking twenty two caliber, it's much cheaper than two, two, well, two, two, three is cheap too, but, you know. It's, Not that cheap. <laughs> I know. So, tw- but, so a twenty two yeah. bolt action or semi-auto? Semi-auto magazine fed is yeah, the ideal. Yeah, that's preferred. Okay. There's people that have been asking about bolt action or lever action. We can work with that. It's not ideal. Uh, but hey, uh, if you if you can, 1022s are the most popular because they're the most readily available. You have Marlins that people are bringing. Like it's we're not telling you to go out and buy a special one and get you know you know the Magpul stock and shave your legs for this. We're talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not telling them all those things, but. You do have loaner 1022s on hand for the next day when they're tired of using their uh, tube-fed bolt-action yes. cooey. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. and that's exactly or the it. Afternoon. Yeah. Bring what you have, but there will be loaner rifles there for you if you do become frustrated. The other thing is you're testing your rifles to the point of they will break. Uh, we see a lot of that. We see scopes that the lens the the glass falls out of it and we also see breakages whether it's i don't know with the triggers or so you if you're firing 400 shots within a couple of hours you're you're testing your rifle especially summertime so it's 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 the same thing kelly that matthew and other and i and other black badge instructors see um, people, yeah, I've got this pistol and I've shot it, oh, tens of thousands of times and I use it all the time. And as soon as they use it in the context of a black badge, uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden things start falling apart on them. So the rifle is the same thing, right? They go to the range, they shoot a box of 50 rounds from the bench in ideal conditions and everything is fine. And then all of a sudden you put them on the ground in positions they'd never been in and really up the round count. And they go, Oh, well maybe I should have cleaned this thing. When's the last time you cleaned it? Uh, never. never? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we also have weather conditions in that as well. We shoot, whether it's rain, snow, sunshine, summer heat, we'll be shooting in all of that. So that does affect your rifle as well. So we will have loaners on hand and people, people will, you know, they'll start, I've I've seen it where they start with a bolt action and they decide, you know, halfway through, maybe I should try a, a, a semi-auto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we are doing is, the other thing is, we're shooting at 25 yards. So That makes it accessible because yeah. it's hard to find a range that doesn't have a 25-meter berm. Correct. So. You're absolutely right. And the reason is also because of the fact, well, I'm lazy. No, we're not lazy. Um, it's because of the fact that we want people to go down and check their targets in 25, 
25 meters is quite a lot close faster than 200. Than, yeah. than 200. Our targets are scaled for that, though. They're scaled for 100, 200, uh, 300, and 400 distance. So it's like you are shooting that, and you will have to be able to have all the your your six steps of firing a shot, your steady hold factors, and also your MPOA down in order for you to achieve um, rifleman. Yeah, but what that does allow you to do is not have to worry about teaching them how to account for wind and worry about wind conditions the day of. Absolutely. Because Whereas, that would really throw havoc if you're shooting 300 yards with, well, well with a 22 for sure, <laughs> but yeah. uh, even with a 2 to 3, I mean, wind's going to make a big difference. So shooting everything at 25, you know, yep. uh, learning how to shoot the wind is, is really important, but that's probably not what your class is designed for. No, and that's where the KD shoots. That's what we teach in the KD shoots. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's almost everything. We are going to add the history piece a little bit later, so that'll be exciting. Anything else, Trevor? Well, Matthew? what about? Um, okay, where do you where do you uh, hope to see maple seed in five years? Five years. I hope to see it in every single province. I hope to see that the, each province is running their own independently, that the directors are um, there as as consultants, and we're doing our own shoots as well, but at the same time, we're not having to go to BC to do shoots, that BC will have a, its own cadre of instructors, and um, Nova Scotia will and New Brunswick will. So it'll be self-sufficient across the country. Not self-sufficient. We'll still be involved, but. Yeah. So it'll take on the same structure as any other sport in Canada. You'll have Hockey Canada, Hockey Nova Scotia, Hockey New Brunswick, Hockey PEI, Skate Canada, Skate New Brunswick, and so on. Archery mm-hmm. Canada, Archery New Brunswick. So we'll have the Maple Seed head office somewhere wherever you guys are. And yep. in time, we'll see an executive and a board of directors and a rep from every province and a coordinator in every province that, you know, trains new instructors. And so you really are your grassroots, but that's where you want to go, correct? Correct. Awesome. We're, we're hoping, again, we're hoping to model it after um, Project Maple Seed. They have it in every every state down the U.S. And they have, you know, 10,000 students each year. Amazing. Yep. Cool. Well, um, Matthew, Adriel, anything else for... Kevin and Kelly? Nope. I'm no, good. I think that was good. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kevin, for coming on. Kelly, you had no choice. You work here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Awesome. So uh, we look forward to doing this again and getting updates as uh, as these shoots start to happen. And as you guys keep progressing along and achieving your goals, we definitely want to sure. keep, uh, keep promoting this program because it's so rare that we see something like this start up in Canada and um, I don't know, Kelly, I know you listened to the reloading podcast. So I, yep. I, I, um, tooted your horn there quite a bit at the last, uh, and all of the other founders as well. This is huge. I think it's important that people who are passionate about something set goals and make plans and achieve them. And this is going to bring something new to the firearms community that we don't have. You're right. There's a, there's a, there's a lack of these sorts of things. And there's definitely a demand. You sold out all your 150 memberships in a five-hour span. Who else has done that? Like, I mean, it's crazy. So congratulations, and I'm looking forward to following the success of this. Well, thank you. I I think I was talking to Kevin. Oh, I know. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) 
Right. Well, you're I not getting B&B. your maple seed patch when we go down to Fredericton. That's it. I'll just make sure I stay on Kevin's side of the line. All right. That's right. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care, Kevin. Thanks. You too. All right. Once again, I'd like to thank Kelly and Kevin for coming on and making this just another episode of Maple Seed Radio. So, exactly. Great job, guys. Awesome. Uh, all right, time for some listener feedback. Uh, who would like to take that? Kelly, we haven't heard from you in a while. How about you take Tim's? You just did a whole interview with me. Well, <laughs> before that. All right, so this one's from Tim. This is, uh, this is the one that got away because Canadian gun magazine laws are so flawed. Five round maximum for your center fire rounds in a box magazine. Belt-fed, semi-autos, unlimited rounds. This is the belt-fed German M34 um, with full auto trigger disabled. This is what Wolverine guns and tackle in rear. This is at Wolverine guns and tackle in Red Deer. It came with everything here, plus belts and a box of shell carriers, box shell carriers. Oh, and a box of magazines uh, pinned to five rounds, of course. I didn't buy it because the Mauser eight millimeter rounds are very hard to find. So now I'm in search of a 1919 308. A shooter in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, has one on a tripod that's awesome. Or a belt-fed 22 by uh, Tipman. Question, does the Slamfire crew have any suggestions and tips before I begin my quest? And then he shows a picture of it. So, Good good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know shot- very little to nothing about belt-fed anythings. Right. We shot uh, two of them at the charity shoot last year. Yeah, well, yeah, we're talking Canada stuff showing off again. I'm saying. Oh, no, that they was, are, they yeah, are that was charity shoot. Sorry, charity yeah. shoot. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> that was Ryan stuff. Yeah, I just assumed yeah. you were apple seeding again. No, um, but they are it's, available. It's my understanding that as long as you have an original belt and not a newly manufactured belt, mm-hmm. that mm. that has something to do with the capacity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. All right. Um, Who wants to take this next one from Mark? I got it. From Mark. Hey, gentlemen and ladies. I was wondering if you had any... Sorry, but I don't mean to interrupt, but every time we get ladies, it's plural. Who are... who? Okay, who besides me is a lady? You and Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Same time. You owe me a Coke. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. There you go. Uh, I was wondering if uh, any of you have had any experience with the Lee hand press. I'm living in a condo and a little short on space for a bench press and thinking on selling my Lee single stage bench press as I only use it for around 100 to 200 rounds of reloading a year um, to get this hand press and save room in a small condo. Also, as the safe storage laws go, if I have my rifles locked up in one room, could I have the ammo stored in a locked box in the same room, or would they have to be in the separate rooms altogether? Thanks from Mark. So first, when we talk about the uh, reloading uh, uh, single-stage uh, hand press. I have one. I've not bothered to use it. I just kind of have it as a novelty. I, and, I have a single-stage yeah. press, and it does not take up very much space. I would think that you are probably going to have a better experience with this the, the single-stage press than you will with a hand press. Yeah. It would be my guess. I only do, you know, one to 200 rounds a year on it. I, I only shoot, or I only load two to three on it. I don't shoot very much of that. But And you have it mounted to basically a student's 
yeah, desk, it's like, like this, something just, you see in a classroom. Yeah, it's just a really small desk. Like it doesn't. It just has to be sturdy. It doesn't have to be big. So well, I, and, I would uh, recommend against it, but it, I I don't have any experience with a hand press. But I'm just guessing that you're going to get better leverage and just have a better experience overall with the the actual press. And and the hand press that I have is only for nine millimeter. You're not going to do 300 wind mag on this hand press thing. Like you, yeah, no. Well, I, I just, mean, if he's doing nine millimeter, then okay, sure. But if you're doing nah, rifle, still, yeah. still, it's uh, not a very. I mean, you you have a single stage leap press i mean it's not that big i just try to try to mount it on something a little bit smaller would be my guess it would be my suggestion anyway so yeah well i was gonna say uh, with the with the mounting um for a while i ran the lee single stage press on a on a two by four and when i wanted to reload i'd clamp the two by four to a desk surface oh that's a good and then when i didn't i would pull it right off and just stuck it in the stick it in the closet sure yeah that's a good idea too yeah that's gonna say just um a couple of C clamps, even if you mount it to a small sheet yeah. of plywood. Yeah. 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 Worked, yeah. Uh, worked great for like not having the space to like have the press out all the time. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, I have the hand press and it looks to be so convoluted and time consuming that I've just kept it for a novelty. Not, I don't, I just, I'll never be bored enough to try and load a couple of rounds on it to say I even did it. That's how. But that's just me. It just looks like slow, painful process. So, and then Mark, as for your safe storage question, um, yes. But remember, as long as like you can have ammunition with the gun, I know it's kind of uh, contradicts itself because it always says store the ammunition separately, unless the it's ammo in the same locked container as the gun, right? And the yeah. gun is locked. Yeah. If the gun is locked and the container is locked, the ammo can, can actually be stored with the firearm, and that's right on the RCMP bulletin yeah. on safe storage. But they say you have to store your ammo separately, but if your gun's locked in a case, if the ammo's outside of that case, it's technically separately, even if it's sitting on top of that case. But it's completely it, it's, and totally separately, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it, you're, yeah, it can be in the same room in another locked box, for sure. It doesn't even have to be locked. It just has to be, yeah. It, it can be in the same room. It just needs to be separate from the fire. You just can't leave a, a, a firearm and ammo accessible to each other, basically. Yeah. But that well, being you, said, none of us are lawyers, so don't take our advice and, uh, you know, ask a real lawyer because they know for sure. But I just want to make sure well, we toss that out there. Yeah. Chan, to do everything you can to, to give the RCMP no excuse to charge you with anything. So if you can easily store your ammo in another room, fine do it if you don't if you can't then don't don't worry about it but i don't know it's 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 hard to it's hard to call every situation i guess yeah and they will definitely try and do everything because remember the ian thompson case yep. at the end they said that his house was so small that it would have been possible for him to get the ammo far enough away from the gun like right. they were reaching that bad they and are, if they yeah. want you they will reach that's so. right so just stay out of trouble and put your ammo wherever you want <laughs> I'm mm. kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> mm. um, Matthew, you want to take the next one? Uh, from Dave. Matt, please let me know what I should be practicing and what I should know uh, how to do prior to the course. The Handgun Thursdays begins at my range on May 4th, so I'll be getting some steel shooting in. Uh, but I know that if I had that mantis on my gun, I would be printing large swirls. Not sure how to stop that wrist strengthening. Anyway, looking forward to it. From Dave and I sent him a reply. My reply was okay. base 
Yeah, my reply don't, was don't shoot yourself. Basically, yeah. <laughs> no, know how to not shoot yourself. Dave. No, no, know how to not shoot yourself. That that that's key. Or but, me. Well, don't, I don't don't, don't shoot, shoot me. me. I don't mind if you shoot Trevor, but don't shoot me. If I, you I, gotta shoot Matthew, make sure it's in the leg. Yeah. Don't see how just, much nicer I am than you. Eh, well, eh, whatever. Um. So the middle <laughs> leg. The, my reply to him was something along the lines of, "Well, it's really hard to to instruct over email, but if you're gonna focus on something or try to do something, focus on having a very strong grip." And getting a good sight picture and pressing the trigger straight back. Do lots of dry fire if you can. And practice when you're dry firing to not let the sights move when the trigger breaks. This is why Matthew and I are such a good team. Because I'm going to suggest equally important things, but completely different. I'm going to suggest that you're comfortable with your firearm. You know how to... Uh, how to... How to um, use the controls on it can you reach the magazine release can you manipulate the slide properly can you load it can you unload it can you actually handle the gun and take it apart and reach the controls and that stuff if you got to be able to load it unload it reach the controls before we teach you how to stand press the trigger um can you rack the slide on it or is the spring too heavy for you like Yep, that's all so really good advice too. Take it back, even you know. Yeah. I don't know what your well, level he, is, but I, I was answering more along the the last part of the email where he asked how to stop the big swirls of of you know his gun not moving around when he shoots. So, and you were answering and, the what he should do before he comes to the class. So yeah, both of those answers are uh, are good. So yep, and, yeah. And so I be think... very very comfortable with your gun, and if you want to practice getting getting more accurate with it, then practice dry firing without like letting those sights move. And then we'll, we'll we'll fill in the rest later. Yep, you're absolutely right, Matthew. Uh, grip, grip stronger. Yeah, grip the strong. gun as hard as you can, strong yeah. as you can. Yep. All right, Kelly, you want to take this one from Krista? Uh yeah. As soon as I get there. Uh, da, 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 from Krista. Hello, I've been enjoying the show on episode two hundred and one. <laughs> what? I, yeah, I paused for you. Yeah. <laughs> you were discussing uh, some of the issues surrounding the 25-round magazine for 1022s. Please review the information available on the CSS, sorry, CSAAA or the CSSA, as I believe you have unintentionally given some very poorly thought out and potentially damaging advice. From the CSSA, individuals are advised not to use, transfer, dispose of, alter or modify or transport those magazines at this time. At this time, due to the controversy, importers, dealers, and individual owners are advised to stop sales and transfers of all 1022 high-capacity, over 10 rounds, rifle magazines. Businesses are cautioned not to attempt to pin magazines unless their license specifically authorizes work on prohibited magazines. Please provide the link to the CSSA joint lawsuit against the RCMP in your show notes and suggest people take part. Better yet, get their lawyer on the show, their lawyer on the show, uh, to explain the dangers of people pinning their own gear, etc. Thanks for, thanks, just being a, a concerned Canuck. Um, the CSSA's opinion is not the only one. Mm. It's, it's, it's theirs. It's been shared. Um, but yeah, just because the CSSA says don't do it, doesn't mean you can't do it. 
I would um, I would modify any advice that I gave. I don't remember if I gave advice last time when we talked about this, but the advice I would give at this point would be to, if you are concerned about your 25-round 1022 mag, call the RCMP and ask them what to do with it. Right. right. And I Go. did. I called and? my local RCMP, and they were like, uh, we really don't care. <laughs> so we're not, yeah, we're not, if you, nobody, it's, yeah, so. So question, all right, if you call the RCMP and they say, well, you need to take it to a gunsmith and, or your local whatever and have them pin it. So while you're taking it there, you're transporting a prohibited device. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's So which is against the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the so RCMP told you to do it. But the RCMP right. told you to do it. <laughs> but it, but it, is it a is it a prohibited device? Has the law suddenly been changed, or is just just a matter of this opinion? This is still just an opinion, right? right? Right. So since it's a matter of opinion, pin it if it makes you feel better. It's not law, but you can pin it. You can pin it. You can put a pop rivet in it. I'm just saying you can pin it and put a pop rivet in it. I don't know. I don't know if uh, if you can legally do that though. Can, can you? you legally take a? I don't know. I I, I would I would think that it would be very hard for them to prove where that popper of it entered and when it entered that magazine. But hmm. well, it's legal afterwards. It's definitely yeah, it's legal, legal afterwards. afterwards. But what? <laughs> isn't that, isn't ha- that convoluted though? That's that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Or you could just, you know, leave it be and keep using it. No. <laughs> what well, do you mean, could. No. You could. It might be illegal, but you could. But yeah, it only right. might be illegal. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, dumb. But my RCMP said that they don't care, so they don't care. I don't care. There you go. Yeah, but, but yeah, call call your own local RCMP because Trevor's RCMP is a bit more rural than most others, probably. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Matthew. They yeah. have no no cares to give yeah, about if, if they don't care about twenty two minutes. Yeah, they don't care about it in your neck of the woods, and don't worry about it. But you now, know, if you're downtown, tra- yeah. Am I going to travel to the charity shoot and go no. through Quebecistan with no. a twenty five round? 1022 magazine, assuming I had one? No. No. But anyway. Um, well, yeah, I'm glad so that, that the CSSA are, are getting ready to sue them. I mean, that's a that's a positive step in the right direction to kind of say, hey, what are you guys doing? So. That's true. But there still has nothing been filed yet. Yeah. As we think. As we yeah, as this, speak. Yeah. Uh, this would have been the perfect opportunity for the CSSA, the NFA, and the CCFR to actually all work together, together yeah. on a common thing, but that didn't happen. So, well, shall we move on? Yep. Yeah, sure. From Paul. Hi, I just enjoyed listening to episode 173, Going for Your Black Badge. Thanks for the great info. I heard you mention that Canada is the only country requiring a black badge course for IPSC. That isn't quite true anymore. He's absolutely correct. I heard about this from a different guy after the fact. As of last year, the Cayman Islands is also using the Black Badge course, model after the one in, modeled after the one in Canada, to qualify shooters before they can compete in IPSC. We had our first student go through the course recently, and I'm hoping to be the second. Cheers, Paul. That's awesome. And there may be other countries as well adopting the uh, the Black Badge program. So, very cool. Well, I don't know. Hey, uh, hey uh, Paul. Uh, can you review us on your local iTunes? So we've got one from Cayman Islands. That would be a awesome. great idea, Paul. That'd you should do that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, if you would like to send a, sh- a uh, email to the show, you can do so by sending it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. 
Um, what else we got? We got no iTunes. Well, we will yeah. when Paul sends one. Exactly. So, yeah, please do that, Paul. Thank you very much. We do have currently 148 five-star reviews. And uh, of that, 115 are from Canada, 30 from the U.S., one from Australia, one from the U.K., one from Lithuania, and one from Belgium. Thank you so much to those of you that took the trouble to navigate through that horrible piece of software to do that for us. Shoutouts, I have a couple here. Um, Chris B. for the M1 Carbine Parts. Filthy for the M1 Carbine Bolt Tool. Denis for the great job on blowing that 1911. Anyone else have any shoutouts? Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Bill Wilson. Just to say thank you for bringing all your magnificent toys to the International Appleseed Shoot. Uh, also to the guys that were the mentors for all of the Mapleseed instructors. You did an amazing job. And an extra special thank you to Stacy for hosting us. And to Trevor, well, you suck. <laughs> As I said, I don't recall saying I was going, but uh, that's fine. That's fine. No, that's okay. fine. Okay. So, uh, Patreon supporters, again, you can uh, support us by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Slamfire Radio to become a Patreone. Right and now, also, um, I just I just added a, a new button on the side of our website. So, if you go to slamfireradio.com, it should be on the left. If you're on the phone, it'll be, I don't know, somewhere on the bottom or something like that. Sweet. So you can get there through us. Perfect. So, guys, the Patreon program is a way of supporting the show to help pay for equipment but right and hosting fees and all that stuff. But right now, we've picked a new goal, and that is get Adriel to the charity shoot. So what a lot of the Patreoners are doing is yeah. we've got a couple of new ones coming on board, but we have people switching their Patreon contribution for the next couple of months to help raise some funds to get Adriel out to Ontario for the charity shoot. And, man, people have stepped up in a big way. We had Rob L. come on board for 1911. Epic. But everything's a contest. Chad's <laughs> like, 2011, baby, because it's 2011. <laughs> so those two of my favorite guns and obviously two of my favorite Patreon uh, contributions. So that means that they're giving us $19.11 per month or $20.11 per month. And Dean M is on for 220, so 220 Swift, which is awesome. And Cody uh, stepped up with the 223 contribution. So thank you very much, guys. We have a big long list of current supporters. We're not going to name them all. Just keep it. Uh, at least I'm not. My co-hosts can do what they want, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to name name the new ones. You guys are your own men and women. You do what you like. So uh, thank you, guys. And if you are already a contributor and you think you can spare a couple of extra bucks for the next few months to help get Adriel out to the cherry shoot, it would be epic. And then you can always – well, actually, no. I think dues only go up. Yeah, they only out. go up. Yeah, they can't, you can't yeah. backtrack. You, you totally <laughs> can backtrack. <laughs> totally can, yeah. No, you can totally backtrack. So – um. Yeah, go on over there, check it out. There's also a lot of other great shows that have Patreon accounts as well, so you could share the love with them too. Um, and 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 Matthew's got a Patreon for his YouTube channel because YouTube kind of screwed everybody over on the AdSense accounts. So if you enjoy Matthew's videos, you can always patronage patronage pay that's pa one you didn't use matthew you're right that is one i didn't use <laughs> you could patronage matthew i laughed man that was awesome so anyway um until next week get out there and join the ccfr or the cssa or one of the other groups um and uh, of course go do some shooting 
check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. And please post because it's like Kelly and Adriel put the show up there all the time and it's mm-hmm. zero comments. Zero comments. It's crickets. Even Chris isn't commenting on it anymore. Hey, yes. Adriel. Adriel. No, he's hey, gone. I had mute, I'm over. mute on. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's can like, what? <laughs> can you go and check? Uh, can you go and change or modify the uh, uh, Hickok 45? I already episode? did. I did. I fixed uh, it. You fixed it? Yeah. I couldn't fix it. Why couldn't I fix it? I don't know. Eh. Oh, on I GOC, did. you're saying? GOC. Oh, on yeah, GOC. Oh, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I didn't do it there. Sorry. I should have finished letting you listen. <laughs> I said that right. You just carry on. Yep. All right. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.